Thank you, Miss Pat. He's coming, amen? amen? He sure enough came, and he is coming again. And praise God, we want to live in the light of the revelation of that coming that the word is clear on, that had he not come, the scripture says, we wouldn't have been uh, accused of being sinners. But the fact that he did come is validation that we need a redeemer. And this redeemer came and accomplished what he set forth to accomplish. That's what we're reading about right now in the gospel of Mark. You think about it with me. We want to keep in mind we're headed to the cross. We're, we're, We're on the journey to the cross. That period of time that the Gospels illuminate for us, like the Gospel of Mark, was a relatively short period of time in the life of Jesus. We're dealing with a three-year time frame of when He was made known to Israel of His coming and what He was coming for. He is, he is on making a beeline to the cross of Calvary. And we ought to always remember that. Anytime we tell in a story of what Jesus is doing or what Jesus has done or what Jesus plans to do, we want to make a beeline to the cross because the cross proclaims uh, the, the heart of the, the love and the long-suffering and the kindness and the grace of God and the fact that Jesus is our, our substitute. He lived the life we couldn't live. Amen. Died the death we couldn't die. So that we could live the life that he lived by his life being in us. Amen. So <clears throat> when we are studying these things and reading through them. We want to we ask God for fresh eyes to see uh, something in this. That will help us and encourage and strengthen and bless us. Uh, to glorify Jesus. Because I, I, I can't help but think about that woman who had the issue of blood. That we may look at her uh, uh, in a moment. But when she touched Jesus, she stopped him in his tracks now. Amen. And Jesus wasn't going to take another step until she testified of what had taken place in her life. And that's important for us to remember. There's times when we're not going to go any further with Jesus. He's not going to take another step with us until we testify to his glory. Of what he's done and what he's doing in our lives. Amen. He stopped amidst the crowd and the chaos. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples said, come on now. Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's banging up on you. What do you mean? Who touched you? There's not a person here who's not run into you or run into us. I mean, it's chaotic here. And Jesus said, no, somebody, somebody touched me. And I felt the power Go out of me into them. Somebody touched me with the fingers of faith. I'm not talking about the forearms of faithless people. I'm talking about somebody that had faith touched me and something happened in their lives and I ain't going no further until they testify of what took place. And the same thing, he works in our lives as well. And I can't help but think about that woman. When you think about this big crowd, most of the people were just following along with the crowd. They were just following along. And it's one thing to be, it's one thing to be in the crowd. It's a whole other thing not to be part of the crowd. She was in the crowd, but she wasn't part of the crowd. And she was the only one there minus Jarius who was actually trusting Jesus. She said, if I could just touch 
his garment, if I could just touch his clothes, if I can just get near him, I'll, I'll be healed. And sure enough, man, when she did, in faith, Scripture says that she felt her problem, her issue dry up. And uh, she didn't have what she had when she woke up that morning. Amen? Amen. She was in another place, another position. And unfortunately, that's just it. When we do testify and give glory to God and he takes another... You know what the other step was with her? Jesus just spoke life into her. Daughter, go in peace. For thy faith has made thee whole or made thee safe. You are safe not only now in this, this world with me. You're safe with a holy God as well. You know, God is our... Without Jesus, God is the worst person in the world that you're ever going to encounter. Amen? Wow. He's your worst enemy without Jesus. But with Jesus, man, you got everything with him. Amen? Amen? But Jesus keeps us from the wrath of God. And he said, your faith has made you safe with God. And not only that, you go in peace now and be, accept what I've done in your life. Accept it. He spoke life over Brother Shannon. And because she testified, said it was me that touched you. Praise God. Walk in his, in his work. Well, let's look at chapter 5 for a moment. We may jump into chapter 6. You know we always usually. That's the only thing about not having services on Sunday night. I can't never finish up my message. We kind of got to go over into Sunday night to get it all done. But in chapter number 5, let's just start there. We can start in verse number one of looking at this Gadarene, this demonic man. Another gospel tells us, Matthew's gospel said there was two men there. But Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel only emphasize the one particular guy because he was the, the center of what was taking place, obviously. He was the one who, who had been in a position, as the scripture says, that was just out of touch with society. He was isolated there in the tombs. You ever feel out of touch? Now there's one thing to live in this world. No, you don't belong in this world. That is, you're just a pilgrim passing through. You're not a problem to this world. Matter of fact, you'll be a blessing to this world. You'll be a help to it. You'll be a giver, not a taker. Well, this guy was a taker. He wasn't a giver. He was a problem. And therefore... He, he had been isolated. He had probably spent many times in jail because of the demonic forces over his life. There's times where they tried to bind him up and they put chains on him and they couldn't chain him. I mean, this, this cat was something now. You've been in law enforcement, Tommy, and you've seen some, some types of, of people who you just had trouble with that were, that were more difficult to work with than others. I mean, you had those things that you had to put some knots on some people's heads and that sometimes would stop them. And sometimes you had to do it multiple times to stop them. Well, this was the type of guy that had multiple demonic forces at work within him. Matter of fact, when they confronted Jesus and these demons knew who Jesus was. Amen. And they bowed down to him for who he was. They knew he had authority over them. They knew they would have to be submissive to what he said. And these tormentors, these demons who want to torment our lives and want to torment people without the protective means and measures of the grace of God, they, they don't want to be tormented. They just want to torment people. 
That's just their whole goal. That's why they said, it's not time. Are you here to, don't torment us. We're just in the business of tormenting people. We want to harm and hurt and torment lives, them emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And here this legion, multiple demonic forces, said that it's not time for us to be cast into the, she says she's going to the back, huh? You going to hang out with us? He said that it's not time for, for us to be tormented yet. Are you going to cast us into the abyss? Scripturally speaking, the enemy knows that his day's coming. Amen. He just knows it's not time for it as of yet. And because it's not time for it as yet, they will do all they can to torment you and me. Now, I don't believe a legitimate Bible-believing, uh, blood-bought individual that's been made a new creature in Christ, born again through the blood of Jesus, can be possessed by demonic forces. That's not going to happen. But what will happen is that you can be oppressed by demonic forces and spiritual influences. And as a result of that, that will influence and, and, and have an effect on your life. Now, I believe God is able to keep us. And I believe we need to position ourselves in the love of Christ, in the love of God. And we need to be in right position. But we can open ourselves up to oppression from this enemy. And their main focus is to torment your Life to torment the lives of, of the people of our society. But they don't want to be tormented themselves. See, that's how, that's how takers are. That's how people who are actually under the influence of the enemy himself, which the Bible says that before we come into Christ, we were all under the sway of the devil. We all went his way. We were all captive to him doing His will and His bidding upon this earth. Ephesians teaches us that in Ephesians chapter 2. But in this passage, notice what we see about this demon of what he says. Uh, verse number 7, And he cried out, this is chapter number 5 of Mark's gospel, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God. He's using God in this. He says, you know as well as I know that it ain't time. You do not torment me. Because they knew Jesus could, could do whatever he wanted with them, however he wanted. But it, they, in one gospel, that's what it says. It wasn't time to cast them into the abyss as of yet. But what we find here is that they had the influence on this guy. And he's isolated. He's in the tombs. Scripture says he was cutting himself and he cried out. One gospel said that he was naked. We also see in a moment when Jesus does something for him, he's no longer na naked, he's clothed. And he's been clothed. But we see the power of God. This is what I picked up on this because we've got to look at it at the whole thing and the whole region is that when Jesus is too much for the demons and the darkness of a society. Because I want to tell you, Jesus freed this old boy, didn't he? Amen. He set him free. And the scripture says that he was in his right mind. He was sitting submissively. And he was clothed in his right mind when he cast those demons out of him. 
And the scripture says in verse number 16, And those who saw it told them what happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to be with Jesus. And Jesus said to him, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and go tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. And he departed and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now here's, here's the point that I, I'm saying Jesus was too much, number one, for the demons. The demons could not take possession of this man any longer because Jesus cast those demons out. He's too much for the demons. And all God's people said? Amen. But you know, Jesus was too much for the people of that region and they wanted him to leave. They didn't want him there. You would think after seeing such a demonstration of power, they knew who this guy was. They knew the trouble that he was and they knew what had gone on in his life. Wouldn't you think that they would have wanted Jesus to help them and do something in their lives? I would think they would have. But you know, Jesus was too much for the darkness of that region. That region was a dark area. And Jesus was about to interrupt and disrupt their comforts and their conveniences and their resources. I mean, think about the swine. Somebody swine just died. 2,000 head of a swine, that cost somebody a pretty good penny, didn't it? See, this action that Jesus took in freeing this one man cost another man uh, a quite a bit of penny. Or couple people, we don't know who all own those 2,000 swine, but they all died. They go back and tell the, tell the community what happened. They got a living testimony of a man that's been set free, a crazy man, a psychotic, demon-possessed, who you couldn't even put chains on him because he was so violent and troubled, who cried out like a dog and like an animal and constantly wounded in his own body because he was so under the influence and control of the demonic world who's been totally set free in his right mind, no longer naked but clothed and willing to do what Jesus wanted him to do. But the people said, we don't want you in this area. You need to leave. Get out of here. Why? Because they hadn't been interrupted by Jesus. They hadn't been invaded by His grace. They hadn't been influenced by His compassion. They hadn't had His identity imparted unto them like this man did who says, I want to go where you're going. And Jesus said, you can't come with me, but I want you to go tell the world, tell your friends and your family, go tell them what I did for you. And the man submissively went and told why. Because Jesus done a wonder in his life. Amen. Oh, what a difference that he makes. But the darkness of that region was too much. Not too much for Jesus to do something with, but Jesus was too much for them to want any part of him. Because he was going to disrupt their way of living, their salaries and their resources and all these things. This is a Gentile world who's fixing to open up on the, on the east side of the Jordan River, who's going to go into Damascus and all these areas of Decapolis was, they say, was a region of about 10 cities of, of, of only the people of Jordan and Oman and all that. And that gospel now is going to go 
Remember, Paul later went to Damascus to go persecute the church. And I believe this old, old demoniac, this Gadarene who had been set free, had been telling people about the Lord Jesus long before them disciples got there to tell him. Amen? Why? Because God had done a work in their life. You see, when Jesus hasn't done anything for you except cost you time, cost you resources, cost you stress, cost you heartache, and cost you trouble, you don't want anything to do with him, much less for him to hang around your neighborhood and cause more confusion. Even though you've been in the proximity of his wonder, work, and power, and a witness of his redemptive grace. You know how many communities don't want anything to do with Jesus nor his church? Don't want anything to do with him. Even though they've seen and heard testimonies of his delivering power and his setting people free. You let Jesus get a hold of a, a couple people on the streets in certain communities and he sets them free and people go back into those communities and try to reach some of those who were selling drugs and, and selling things like that to those people on dire straits who have been caught up in that way of living in life and the first thing they want to do is get them out of here. Why? They're going to disrupt their way of living and doing things. It's going to cause them trouble and problems. We don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, we know what you did for him, but we need y'all to get out of here. You disrupting our way of living. Sometimes Jesus is just too much for the darkness that people have in their lives. They don't want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Oh, but boy, can he set you free. Amen. Amen. Man. So just a great, a great picture that we all at one point in time are very similar to this demoniac ourselves. That he's done a work in us. We were under Satan's influence and we were doing things on our own and we were acting out of our own character and own fallen nature. But Jesus came in and uh, rescued our lives for his glory. So what happens when you don't want Jesus? Jesus got in the boat and left. Mark's gospel says it like this. Our gospel in verse number 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again, He went across the Sea of Galilee by boat. Mark's gospel said it just like this. Keith, he said, they told him, We don't want you here. It says, So Jesus got in the boat and He left. And He went away. That's often what happens. And then what do we find? As soon as He gets back, Look in verse number 21. Now when he got in the boat and crossed over the Jordan, crossed over the Sea of Galilee, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. How do you say that guy's name? Jairus or Jariah? Jarius By name, and when he saw him, what did he do? He fell at his feet, and he began to beg him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death, Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and she will live. Now, this is, this is something that we want to pick up on. Is that, look in chapter 1. Look in chapter 1 of Mark's gospel. Man, when Jesus transforms your life, you're begging him to let you go with him, Amen. Wherever he's going or whatever he asks you to do, you'll do. 
Chapter 1, look in verse number 23. I want you to pick up on this. You probably noticed it, but I just want to highlight it. Verse 23 says, Now there was a man in what? Their synagogue. Look in verse number 39. And he, Jesus, was preaching where? In their synagogue. There's a difference between something belonging to God and something belonging to the people. As you find out about these synagogues, which were places of gathering, it'd be no different than what we would see today as a church. That's what a synagogue was. It literally means an assembly place, a place where people assembled. The Jews assembled in these areas in synagogues. They gathered together to get into the Old Testament, to be taught, to celebrate, to worship. That's just what they did. But God Himself in the Word, not only here but in multiple other places, when He began to refer to their synagogue, that's how He named it. He referred to it as their synagogue, simply saying that what they did, they did independently of God Himself. It belonged to the people, not unto God. So when this ruler of the synagogue steps out of that realm and says that, I know what we think, because that's where a lot of the problems for Jesus began to start, was in when he was teaching in the synagogue. Remember, they waited on him. Matter of fact, look in chapter number 3. Chapter number 3 of Mark's Gospel. Watch this. And he entered the synagogue again, and there was a man who had a withered hand. So they, that is the people, the Pharisees, the leaders, the Sadducees, so they, the rulers, I'm willing to say that a person just like Jairus, he may have been there, who knows. They watched him closely. They wasn't watching him to learn from him, to hear from him, to follow him. They watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they may what? Oh, they were just waiting for something to hang him on. They wanted to get him. They didn't want to hear from him. They didn't want to learn from him. Why? It's their synagogue. It's not God's synagogue. It's not where God is invited to come in and lead and do as God would. The people were going to do what they wanted to do. And you know, we don't never want to look at our, our gathering place as being ours. We want it always to be Jesus's. Amen. Amen. We gather in Jesus' name. We gather to do Jesus' work. And whatever Jesus wants to do with us, we do because we are an assembly of believers who have been bought by His blood, washed in His Word, and we want to live for Him. It ain't ours, it's His. Amen. It's been dedicated to gather together to worship and serve Him, but we are the church. And we don't want it to be known as our... Now, we want to take personal accountability and responsibility and take care of what God's given us, but we want Him to lead it. Amen. We don't want to come together to look to accuse things. We want to come to hear from Him, walk in what He gives us, and serve Him with all our heart as we seek Him first in His kingdom's righteousness. Amen? Amen. So for this guy, this ruler, who was in charge of a place that was previously, God wasn't even invited in necessarily, here He comes because He's got a major need and He believes there's only one person that can help Him with it. And he falls at the master's feet. 
to leave what he knew before, to leave the ridicule of all his peers and to leave the ridicule of those that had been following him. This is a great step of faith. As Mark chapter 4 tells us, God had given him what he needed to see to know that Jesus had an answer for him. This was God at work. Remember when Jesus said he didn't speak in parables? Only in parables to those who were on the outside, but to us that were on the inside, he spoke more plainly to and taught us what those things mean. Why? Because it's been given to us to have the capacity to hear, and then we choose to hear what Jesus has to say. Well, this man, it had been given to him to know that Jesus had an answer for his daughter. He falls at his feet and he says, that I, I believe that you're able to heal her. And Jesus took him and they started heading out toward his house. Now in the midst of that, that's when the crowds start following. And the crowd starts coming in. And that poor woman who had suffered at the hands of her own body and suffered at the hands of physicians who had taken all her, the doctors have answers and could help us physically, but they don't have all the answers. That's why we want to trust God to take care of us. He doesn't have to heal us. Matter of fact, God doesn't have to fix our problems. We just need Him to fix us for our problems. Amen? And we can trust Him in that. Well, here, here she goes. She, she sees Him and she knows if I can just touch Him, just touch Him. And she touched Him in faith because it had been given to her to know. She said, I felt my affliction go away. Jesus stopped. Brandon said, who touched me? He said, with awe and trembling, she fell at his feet and said, it, it was I. He said, oh daughter, by faith, your faith has made you safe. Go in peace. Be healed of what has been gnawing and consuming you. The word affliction that he used in this passage means to gnaw, just eat away, just slowly consume her. Her body was just slowly eating away at her. It was consuming her. And it was taking all her mental capacity, all her emotions, everything she had. It was taking it from, taking life from her. It was taking her resources because people were giving her advice what to do and she was paying for that advice and nothing was helping. It was just eating at her. But when she just trusted Jesus, not to say that if you trust Jesus that He's going to heal you from whatever your affliction is. He can, but He doesn't have to. The key is, is that he told her that her faith had made her safe, saved. But he then wanted her to go out and walk in what she had. Accept the fact. Accept this. Walk in this. 
Be what you are. What are you now? You are justified before me. What are you now? You are healed before me. What are you now? That gnawing doesn't have to gnaw on you no more. Your past doesn't have to keep gnawing on you. The physicians don't have to keep consuming your resources. You have been set free. Be who you are. And I want to tell you in salvation, we have been justified. We have been reconciled. We've been made at peace. And we need to walk in. We need to accept and walk in what he's given us. And we can walk in that. And live in that. And celebrate in that. And let him restore us physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally to the place that we are in him. Amen? Amen. Be healed. You are free. Walk in that freedom and that liberty. Ah, what a blessing. You ever had anything just gnaw at you? Everything just eat you up on the inside, eat you up mentally, consume your thought process, consume you emotionally, just you constantly thinking and constantly worrying and anxious. I want to tell you, God has answers for us for that. You know, one thing that he teaches in the word is that fretting only causes harm to us and those around us. It's not good to fret and worry. That's why he says, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things, pray with supplications and thanksgiving, making your request known to God so that what? That the peace of God that goes beyond understanding that you can have peace with Him in justification so that you can have peace from Him to walk in what He's given you. And then things that are just out of our control that we don't have answers for, we can have the peace of God and walk in it as He walks through it with us. Amen. Amen. And everything in this world is going to attack that. But we don't have to listen to it. What do we listen to? Go in peace. Be or accept who you are in me. No sooner than he healed him, healed her, what happened? The little girl died. What happened? They come to tell him, don't worry about, don't, don't bother the teacher. What was Jesus' word to Jairus that day? Don't pay any attention to what you just heard. Don't pay any attention to what you just visualized in your mind. Only believe. Trust me. Trust me for what you came to me the first time for. Trust me. Jesus shows up to the house and they said there was a great commotion going on. People were wailing. That's normally what people do when people die. A tremendous commotion going on. And Jesus said that she's not dead. She's just asleep. And they ridiculed him. They mocked him. What did Jesus do then? He kicked them all out. He kicked them all out. You see, when, 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 we, when we don't operate in faith and we're not operating in trust and we're, not, uh, we're ridiculing God's answers and solutions to things, we, we miss out. We miss out on His wonder and the power He has to raise the dead. He kicked them all out. And He walked in and told her to arise and 
she arises and walks around and then encouraged them to feed them. But he told them this word. He commanded them not to tell anybody what they just experienced in there. All they knew was is that they had a misdiagnosis. She was asleep. Jesus raised that girl from the dead. Amen. Amen. But you know what? He didn't want the crowd to know what he did. Why? Because they, they wouldn't believe it anyway. They wouldn't believe it anyway. Sometimes we miss out on a whole lot, don't we? Because we simply are not taking Jesus at his word. Oh, there's so much in here. We're just going to have to come back. Amen. And keep going on with it tonight in the chapter number six. We can't let the things we heard or visualize in our mind move or grip us. Can't. Only believe. Jesus said, nothing has changed with me. Nothing has changed with me. She might be dead. They may be telling you that she's dead, but there ain't nothing changed with me. Not only do I have the power to heal the sick, not only do I have the power to forgive the sinner, and not only do I have the power to raise the dead, nothing has changed with me. Her condition's changed, but I ain't changed. What a difference. He's not limited by life, nor death, nor sickness, or health. Nothing is different with me. Believe me, is what he told Jairus that day. Believe me, nothing's changed. So no matter what diagnosis we get, nothing's changed with Jesus. Amen. Amen. No matter what problems we have to face, nothing's changed with Jesus and nothing's changed with his purpose. We can keep doing and going and being who we are in him as we follow him through this life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We ask you to help us now with these things that we can put them to work and apply them in our own life. As you told Peter on that water that day, be of good cheer. It is you. And he had no reason to fear what was around him. So I ask you to help us recognize your presence in our life. It's the only thing that's going to separate us from the Fear gnawing at us and celebrating your goodness and grace in our daily walk. We thank you. We praise you and give you glory. Help us with these things. Amen.